0: And now, a Breakthrough Basketball original podcast, The Jim Huber Show.
1: After basketball, his dream is to become a rodeo clown.
0: Jim Huber. Hey, everybody. Oh, it is hard work being this good. I was like, ow. <laughs> 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 he
2: sounded like a, a big choo-choo
0: train. We joined The Jim Huber Show, already in progress. I did that with not having
1: any type of medication. <laughs>
0: Hey, how you doing? It's Coach Troy here on the Jim Huber Show. Today, we go down to Southeast Kansas, where I grew up, and we're going to meet an amazing coach named John Lair, the best Special Olympics coach maybe in the whole world right now. And I'm not exaggerating. He won the we'll national talk about his honor. Yeah. He won the North American uh, Special Olympics Coach of the Year, which was out of how many coaches? 120 over 120,000 coaches. And we're going to talk about his athlete Chevy Peters, the most inspiring powerlifter in the world. You may have seen John, and you may have seen Chevy on SportsCenter featured a story by Tom Rinaldi called Lifted.
2: Growing up, uh, I did have a lot of challenges. When I was two years old, I had a liver transplant. And then when I was seven, I had a stroke. And then when I was nine, I had a stroke. I was in a coma for two weeks. When I was 10, I had to have a metal plate put in my head. When I found out I had kidney failure, they didn't give me time to uh, know how long I would be living.
1: Come on, Debbie, come on! Come on Woo! Winning the gold medal in triple combination representing Special Olympic USA Chevy Peters.
0: 38 surgeries, the kid when you met him was 90 pounds, he had scars on top of scars, literally where they had to go in the same place again, 38 surgeries, 90 pounds and you meet this kid and he walks into your office, what's your first impression?
2: Well, I had heard about Chevy from his mom, she had always told me, it was kind of funny, she said, I've got this kid, my son is going to be big on your team someday. And I always kind of laughed, you know. And then she says, "I'm going to bring him in to meet you." So one day he came into my office, and I looked up and I thought, "Wow, this kid's real, real shy, real wiry, just not not you know, almost awkward to a, to a certain extent." He walks into my office with his head down. You can tell, extremely shy. And uh, you know, his mom's basically talking for him the whole time. And she says, "He wants to, you know, wants to do Special Olympics." So I made I name off all of our sports. We have, we have 16 different sports that we do year-round. So I told uh, Chevy, started with alpine skiing, to basketball, to bowling, all the sports, and I got the powerlifting as the last one. I really didn't think uh, that would be his choice, but he stopped and looked up at me, and as, as bold as you can say it, he says, I want to be a powerlifter for you, coach.
0: So you meet, and and you're not quite ready to launch the powerlifting program, so he's got a little downtime before he can get into it. And a month later, you get a call from a police officer. And and what are they telling you has happened?
2: Uh, Basically, the Pittsburgh Police Department calls, and uh, luckily I had met Chris Moore from the Pittsburgh Police Department um, about, uh, oh, six months before. And he basically called and said, hey you need to get to Lakeside Park right now, it's about Chevy, and that's all he told me. So I raced over to Lakeside Park, which is a park here in Pittsburgh, and Chevy was sitting there on the bench with Chris, just sobbing, and um, Chevy basically was talking about killing himself. And uh, Chris had basically had another call, so once I got there, he left, and Chevy and I sat there for a good 30 minutes just talking about, you know, what was going on. And Chevy had had so many battles, you know, the 38 surgeries, his mom and dad not doing very well and actually getting a divorce. Uh, had a girlfriend for the first time, and she dumped him. Just, he basically said, I don't want to fight anymore. I'm done fighting. So we sat there on that bench together, and we, uh, you know, talked about the future, talked about what he can be he always had that dream of being a world champion. So we said, you know, that day we will make this happen. And he slowly, surely saw some light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's, you know, where we got to last summer.
0: What did you reveal to him on that bench about yourself?
2: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I lost my best friend. Uh, he was 27 in 2000. And it, it was a shock to me, a total shock. Uh, best friends since kindergarten. We talked every day. We uh, were probably the closest I could ever imagine two guys being. We were just best friends, and we grew up since kindergarten all the way through his death, and I lost him, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I was at a time in my life where I was very depressed and uh, not a very big fan of life. I just didn't know what to do with myself because I didn't have him to – hang out with and and be my partner in crime and uh so I talked to Chevy about that and how I can help him through his hard time because I felt truly that I didn't have anybody that really helped me through my hard time I had to do it just through a matter of, of time basically
1: what did you do to get out of that point in your life
2: um well luck would have it I uh I had taken a leave of absence from my old job just because I was having a hard time dealing with it. I had a call from a, a lady, her name's Helen Cherry, at New Hope Services in Pittsburgh, and she says, hey, I want you to come in and talk to me about a job. So I went there and talked about her. The first thing she told me, she said, we have a need in Pittsburgh, Kansas for a Special Olympics team. I want you to start it from scratch. And that was basically, for me, my purpose to go on to make this happen for the athletes and really for myself.
0: When I saw the story and, and you know, just thinking of that image of you, you're a big guy, John. Let, yeah. me, let me draw the picture. Nose tackle, wasn't he? Nose tackle, Back right? Nose guard? Correct. Yeah. Two state championships? Yep. At Pitt's, was a Pittsburgh High School, right? PHS yeah, Dragons. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So John's 300 pounds. You're a big guy. Big dude, and then Chevy is ninety pounds sitting on that Five bench. 5'2". Two. Two. and and to see and to think of the image of you with your arm around him, and he's crying. And You're telling him about Chad, and you're crying, and he, you know, I mean, it's just amazing. And I've sat on that very bench in that very park, and man, when I saw that story on Sports Center, dude, phew, it's amazing what you've done. So one week later, one week later, he shows up and he starts lifting and he's never stopped, right? Right.
2: He was, I, when, we were te- when I was teaching him the, the deadlift technique, he was eye-to-eye, so serious about it. So he gets up there, weighed about 90 pounds. He, he deadlifted 95 pounds. I thought to myself, wow, we can work with this. He's doing over his body weight. That's a heck of a start. So I knew we had something special there. I just didn't know how big it
1: could really get. You went and I think volunteered for your first Special Olympics like event and at that point you were hooked, and you knew it was something that you had to do. What what about that experience that hooked you in to want to be a part of Special Olympics?
2: Well, I truly thought I was going to go there and get some extra credit class for uh, a college class I had at PSU, and I thought, hey, I'll get my extra credit, go out there for an hour, and uh, ended up uh, hanging out with the athletes and just seeing the laughter and the pure sport that went on out at uh, Carney Smith Stadium and it was just unbelievable the feelings of everybody wanting to be accepted the smiles the laughter everything that goes along with Special Olympics that was just hooked from day one.
0: Talk about the the way they compete and the joy that they have.
2: Well you know taking an athlete that sometimes has never played sports in general whatsoever taking them to a sport teaching them the fundamentals of the sport Uh, And and really seeing them learn and and progress over time is probably the greatest feeling in coaching. You have athletes that, you know, will thank you every day for just being there for them, people that weren't given a chance in life. And we have athletes that are truly unbelievable athletes out there. Sometimes people will uh, say, oh, it's just a Special Olympic sport they've never been to some of our practices we have some die hard people that just want to come out and be part of society and learn sports just like you and i
1: that's when i think though reading your story john is is in coaches it's so important can you take the kids that you have and can you get the best out of them because so many coaches are trying to figure out well maybe this kid's not good enough so we'll go get another kid Reading about you is like you're taking these kids and kids that have been made fun of, they've been knocked down, they went through major adversity, maybe they don't believe in themselves. And you get them to believe in them.
2: They want to basically feel part of everything. They wanna feel that they are they matter. So I think that making them feel like they matter, pushing them hard to do something that like you said, maybe they don't even think they can do. I think that's the key. But the key is Really getting to know them. Who can you push hard? Who do you have to go light on, and how are you going to get the best result out of each athlete?
1: John, when you said that earlier, you said it was kind of hard for you to give them praise. Is that because maybe you're a coach a certain way?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I had one of the toughest coaches you could ever imagine at Pittsburgh High, Larry Garman. I mean, Garman, Larry, Larry Garman. I love the guy. I idolized Larry Garman, but you know, he was he was tough love. It was his way or the highway. Um, coaches I've grown up since I was a young kid all the way up to when I played sports, and I had hard coaches. That's the way it used to be. There wasn't any uh, praise whatsoever. There was no uh, you know, participation trophies passed out then. It was all or nothing.
1: That's what I was impressed also with you is I feel like you're taking the true meaning of what sport is, and what I've read about you is you've actually – have taught these kids how to develop life skills into speaking in front of people, to being leaders in the community, um, how to be valuable as an employee. So what I've seen is that you're not just going and coaching a sport and trying to get medals and trophies, you're developing them to be better men and women.
2: Yeah, and that's something that we we teach from day one. I always tell them, be a good character first, then be a good athlete second. We always teach character. Um, we have uh, employee, em, employee places here, jobs that call us all the time asking for more and more of our individuals to work for them because they show up on time, they have discipline, and they're going to give you everything that they have. And I think that we've taught them that through sports and through uh, our employment program.
1: What do you do, uh, you know, teaching the sport? What are things that maybe your strategies that are effective in teaching them time management, teaching them how to be a better teammate? a better communicator, what do you do in practices and games that reinforce that?
2: Well, we really teach uh, dedication to each individual. We actually make our Special Olympics athletes sign a contract, that if they miss so many practices, they're off the team. So we ask for dedication. We ask for them to be there. So I think that goes into the workforce, too. Um, be able to be relied on. You know, we want people to go out there, do the best they can, on the softball field, on the flag football field, whatever we're doing, we want them to do their best, and I think it goes over into their job for sure.
0: The New Hope Bulldogs have how many Special Olympic athletes right now?
2: We have 108 Special Olympic athletes now.
0: My goodness, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So Chevy is the most famous of all of the athletes so far. I mean, he's probably, when you think about it, he might be the most famous person from Pittsburgh, yeah. Kansas, in ever. I mean, there was Bill Russell. Bill Russell, from Pittsburgh, Kansas, the Bill Russell, the shortstop that played for the oh, Dodgers, about Bill or Russell, second
1: Boston Celtics. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, uh, shortstop. I think,
0: yeah, yeah, shortstop, Bill Russell. So Chevy is uh, he's 124 pounds now, and let's talk about how far he's come from being 90 pounds and deadlifting 95 pounds to going to the World Games in Los Angeles and listen to these numbers, Jim. So in the overall, okay. Chevy weighed 124, John. Is that right at the World 122.
2: Games? 122.
0: 122. So he squatted 259. <laughs> and if my math is right, that's twice his body weight. Is that right? Correct. I'm, I'm looking at Jim. And Jim's looking at Well, no, at I'm just waiting for his you to answer
1: your own question. I don't know if this is like. Oh, I don't know. Of, I don't know. My math is Just for so. Bodine here or yeah, what, what's a, going on here?
0: add a couple knots okay. there and carry a knot. So in the bench press he did one forty nine and that was his toughest event. Right. And then in the deadlift, three hundred twenty five
1: pounds in the deadlift. But he's even over, I think I think his brother was like what three hundred and forty nine or three fifty? Uh well, Jared and didn't he pass that already? Has he broken yeah. it? Yeah.
2: Well, and everybody asked me about that three twenty five. Well, we had to play the numbers really. Um he he's done three sixty when we went to the Oklahoma State wow. games. Last year, at in front of all the Oklahoma State football players, he did 360, and <laughs> I just that, that's an unreal number to me. And he weighed 118 at the time. Well, at, at the World Games, we had to play the numbers. He only needed he had to basically lift 325 to win gold. So of course, we didn't want to add any more on there for him. We wanted to give him the easiest shot at gold. So that's why we didn't push it. Everybody's like, well, why didn't he do 360? Well, if he would have missed it, he would have got silver. So we. Played the numbers. That's why he did the 325 at the World Games, because that's all he needed to do to, to win the medal.
1: But, Coach, I'm picturing this. Okay, 365. Now, that is 345-pound plates and maybe a 25-pound plate on each side. Is that right? Pretty close. <laughs> I mean, I'm going, and 15 pounds, 20 pounds. Holy cow. But you named him. You named him. I love this. Manimal. The manimal. <laughs> I love that, man. Explain what the manimal is.
2: Well, I'm a huge, huge Dallas Cowboys fan. So uh, Randy White, when I was a kid, growing up, he was just unreal. I mean, the guy, he was probably my all-time hero when I was growing up, and he just had a motor about him. And Chevy had that same motor, to be honest with you. So I was like you have to have a nickname, because Chevy kept on saying, hey, every great power lifter has a nickname. So I said, okay, it's Manimal. And it kind of came from the Randy White from the Dallas Cowboys, just because he had a motor that was just unstoppable.
1: And you tell him to turn the switch on, right? And what does turn the switch on mean?
2: Basically, he's, he's the Manimal. He turns that switch on, he becomes the Manimal, he's focused, he's a different person. He walks up there, does the lift, then when he's done, I tell him to turn the switch off. Then he just turns into mild-mannered Chevy Peters. It is unreal the amount of uh, difference there is between the Manimal and Chevy Peters.
1: You really think about it, though, in athletics, when you can get an athlete really focused and, you know, zoned in. You know, they talk about being at the the peak level, peak state. That's almost what you do with the... you know with him and going through our process to turn the switch on it sounds like he gets in that peak state for that short period of time it's
2: kind of funny the other coaches would be like why are you letting chevy just kind of walk around and talk and everybody was so focused their coaches were all over him i said oh we've got a plan because i knew that's what you do with chevy you let him go around i call him the mayor because he goes around and talks to everybody <laughs> he's uh, like a politician everybody knows chevy then when i tell him to turn the switch on It's a different ball game.
1: You know, with with Chevy, is setting goals and then being able to put maybe deadlines on the goals and have them focus on that. Is that really what you do with a lot of your athletes when you work with them?
2: Yeah, we do basically goal setting once a month with each athlete. And, you know, we really set goals, whether it be weight loss or gaining muscle or even attendance of uh, our fitness programs. Uh, Every one of our athletes, we try to set goals for, and it really helps to help them hit those goals by sitting down and talking to them and really working with them directly to try to hit those goals but goals are truly important because you can sit there and see a goal and work on it together and if they hit that goal there's excitement, there's praise there's everything that goes along with that.
0: A lot of coaches, you know, we get they get burned out, they get tired of dealing with parents and some of the things going on. Special Olympics is a great way to get the joy back of being a coach and figuring out why we're doing what we're doing and, and the athletes are so great how does someone get involved as a coach helping out
2: any community you're at um, there's always a local program coordinator in each community In bigger cities there's more than one but the best way to get a hold of uh, the Special Olympics program is to look it up on the web on the uh, internet everyone's got a web page we do a lot of uh, volunteers here locally with PSU students um, people in the community from Pittsburgh, but all you got to do is look it up on the internet, and uh, there's websites galore about Special Olympics teams all over the nation, all over the world.
0: I used to host a, a Special Olympics dinner uh, after they would do the Olympics in in Minneapolis. And I'd host it every year, and the kids were wonderful, man. Mm-hmm. I just loved them. I loved them, and every year Elvis would come out. Now, and, the real Elvis? Or well, this? that's what I'm getting nice. at. That's what we am getting. Okay. To the kids, to many of the kids, <laughs> it might be though. It was, it could have been. He's really. Still alive, right? It was really Elvis, yeah. and and he would come out, and they would get a different Elvis every year, John. Hmm. But it was always Elvis, and those kids, they loved. They, they, it was just joy. It was like the Beatles. It was. Has amazing. Coach John ever heard you sing
1: Elvis? Uh, you know, oh, yeah. Elvis? <laughs> We're gonna win this <laughs> race, <laughs> hey John. I do want to go back to this. Say somebody comes, you know, to any coach and has a desire to maybe gain weight, reach a goal of strength, or whatever it might be, what would be the, the steps that you would recommend that a coach would take with that potential athlete that maybe hasn't succeeded but has potential within them to be able to obtain greatness?
2: Well, The first thing I would definitely sit down with them and tell them about the dedication that they're going to have to have. Most people want to go onto the softball field, go in the gym, whatever the situation is, and just expect instant results. That's just not reality. No matter what level you have, you coach, you want those athletes to learn the fundamentals and work their way up to um, hopefully greatness out of your sport. But you want to tell them that, number one, the dedication that they're going to have to put in is just first and foremost, you know, uh, we an effort to... Everybody, you know, my, my big saying to our athletes is you give 50% effort, you're going to get 50% results. So mm-hmm. most of our athletes are just die hard and they want to, I hate to say this, but it's true, they want to impress me. They're afraid to let me down. I have such a, a bond with most of our athletes because we've been through so much, and for them to never have a chance in the past to be part of sports and for someone to give them a chance, it's just, it means the world to them. But uh, they're all dedicated. And uh, it's amazing how many athletes have been through our program and have seen success not only in their jobs, but, you know, outside of Special Olympics in general.
0: What has Chevy taught you?
2: I truly think that Chevy has has taught me probably some patience along the way. Um, But Chevy has also taught me do not judge somebody by the way they look the first time I saw Chevy I would never dream that we would get to the um, extremes that of lifting weights that he did Chevy is one of those guys that he was quiet at the time and now 8 years later 9 years later he literally is like a politician he talks to everybody and it's so awesome to see Chevy so social and so uplifting just because where I saw him start of being his head down and uh, very unsocial. So I, he's taught me that just do not judge the book by its cover.
1: Your program, they talk about, like hinges on this quote, that everyone has potential and can achieve when allowed to demonstrate their potential. Now, was that quote a part of the program before Chevy or is it after Chevy?
2: Um, after Chevy. A.C. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, Chevy is just one of those stories that's uh, very, very uplifting. No one gave him a chance. You know, the doctor said he has a year to live, then he has two years to live. He's not going to live past five. That's what they told Chevy's mom and dad. So they had no hope whatsoever. And to see where he's come after 38 major, major surgeries, a kidney transplant, Goodness. a liver transplant, everything he's been through, brain surgery. I mean, to come out, what he did last summer, it just gives me, I'll be honest with you, goosebumps to this day just because I was so involved with the story and I know knew him from start to finish. He is just an amazing human being, and its I'm, I'm just glad to be along for the ride.
1: And I go back to this, like the Arthur Ashe Awards and things like that, this guy deserves that award. No doubt. Yeah, I'm just telling you right now, People, some people have given it to this guy, Coach John Lair, Arthur Ashe Award for the impact he's made.
0: Chevy might be the most amazing story I can think of. And I think that's why Under Armour is so, was attracted to him because they've gone after the underdogs. They've gone after the guys. You know, Steph Curry is an underdog. If you look at him physically, you know, you don't look at that guy and go, there's the best player in the NBA physically. And people have doubted him the whole way. And Chevy's that same way. You know, he's small. People have doubted him. And he just, he just proved them wrong. It's incredible. What what is he doing with Under Armour? Is he doing like commercials or what's going on with that?
2: Uh, right now, it's kind of a promotional thing. Uh, they send him all kinds of uh, promo products to try out, brand new stuff. Um, they've sponsored him uh, in different. We've we've done some powerlifting events outside of the Special Olympics okay. realm, even through uh, you know just doing regular powerlifting events, and they've helped sponsor him with singlets, whatever he needs, belts, whatever he needs. Basically, the first day. They said they were going to send them send him some stuff. Twenty boxes showed up, full of Under Armour stuff.
0: <laughs> that's excellent. I'm thinking,
2: oh, that's a couple things, all right. Then I thought, man, eh, okay, that's probably all he's going to get. The next week, another twenty boxes show up.
0: John, who who have you and Chevy met along this journey together that you 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 looked at and went, I can't believe we just met that person?
2: Well, probably Arnold Schwarzenegger was the coolest person. I mean, it was it, it was. I was kind of just starstruck. I mean, I. Everybody, everybody, yeah. lo- you know, loves Arnold. Arnold's in the so. studio right now. Yeah,
0: Gidaldo Diaz is a bomb down there. <laughs> Some of the celebrities you meet are small. You know, like how you tall is m- he? Oh, he's probably six two. Don't you think, John? Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's Terminator size. Does he? Yeah, but you meet like Stallone, Stallone and yeah. he's like up to your nipples. Snipes. Yeah, <laughs> they're like little <laughs> tiny people. So, what did Arnold say to Chevy? Or what did what did they talk about?
2: Well, he knew about the story. Of course, Arnold has a lot to do with the Special Olympics through his. Wife's family,
0: right? Um, the Shriver, right, right, right,
2: right. So you know, he, he had heard the story about Chevy, and uh, just kind of said, you know, you're one of my guys, is basically what he told him, and showed his arm, and they both showed their arms, and it was it was really cool just to uh, see Chevy interact. And Chevy Chevy would probably say something different. Uh, he's a huge WWE wrestling fan. Really, and he got he got to meet Mark Henry, which was huge to him. And, uh, of course, he's a power lifter, world's strongest man, all that. Yeah, he was pointing him on the stage,
1: wasn't he, when he he was getting, like, the gold medal? He was, like, pointing over at him.
2: Yeah, and the cool thing about it, Mark, uh, Mr. Henry, I'll call him, hung out with Chevy, like, the rest of the day. I mean, he was just so cool about everything, and and Chevy was just, I, I don't know if I've ever seen him smile so much just being around Mark Henry.
0: How can people, if they want to contribute to New Hope Bulldogs, what do they do? Can they get a hold of you? If someone wanted to make – I mean, it's a great program. I couldn't think of anything else. I'd rather donate something to. How would they get a hold of you?
2: Well, and the great thing about it is all the money goes directly to the athletes. All of our volunteers volunteer their time. So nothing goes back to staff salaries or anything like that. So we do do it all on a volunteer basis. But we have a Facebook page, which is probably the best way to get a hold of us at, which is – Facebook and our, and our name is New Hope Bulldogs. So you can look us up. We're from Pittsburgh, Kansas, um, Facebook.com, and our keyword is New Hope Bulldogs.
0: And like that page because you're always putting great photos up of all the athletes and, and Chevy. And Superman is a kid that uh, I went oh, to yeah. school with his mother, uh, Nathaniel, right? That's his. Yes. But everyone just calls him. Superman
2: Everybody calls him Superman That's They always ask me what my greatest nickname I ever passed out And that's for sure Superman Because he looks exactly like Clark Kent
0: Yes he does, he got the glasses and, and what is Superman doing right now what, what sports is Superman working on
2: Superman's playing softball We're, uh, we're at right in the middle of softball season right now And Superman plays right field And doing really, really, really good
0: Fantastic John, you're doing God's work man Thank you so much for taking time Thank you guys.
1: Your man in the middle, seven foot two from a weird country called Lithuania. Jim Huber.
0: Wow. On the Breakthrough Basketball Woo! Radio Network. I just want to celebrate another day of it. Hey everybody. I just want-